Hello, and welcome to Evangel Bros, your podcast about biblical literacy, discipleship, and historical and cultural context. I'm your co-host, George Benson. I'm your other co-host, Don Shiver. And uh, yeah, we're back this week. Uh, we had a repeat last week, um, which was, you know, not planned, but that's how life goes. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um, how's your uh, week done? Uh, it is, it's plugging along. I'm finding out right now whether or not I have gallstones. So, uh, so I'm, I'm like Paul this week with a thorn in my side, if you will. <laughs> and, uh, it's not just Barnabas, so. No. <laughs> so what about you? Ooh. I saw a, po- I saw a photo of a full beer sitting on uh what looked to be like a brick porch or something patio that said it's been a week so yeah well yeah i mean we uh my my family had um uh, a pretty serious health issue um with a very close family member and it was pretty scary there was a major surgery involved and it's a weird time for all of this to be happening because nobody could be present and uh you know i started my uh new job in an official kind of more official capacity this week is and I was able to go into the office and got some training done and uh, had to help my uh, another family member with um, <laughs> some PVC plumbing issues. So I was underneath a, in a crawl space for four days this week dealing with sewage. And it was just, yeah. So I'm assuming that uh, one beer was not all that it needed to fix the week. I mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah but it was just nice uh, because my wife was not commuting last night, so she was home. It was just really nice weather. So it was just like the culmination of everything on a Friday was yeah, just perfect. You know, I've noticed with you, George, that a lot of other people like on social media and stuff um, – will take a picture of their ankles crossed barefoot next to like the beach or a pool or up in front of a fireplace and instead of your feet. Now, I don't know, you might have like Fred Flintstone feet. I don't know, but, but like your feet are not there. Instead, it's, it's a picture of a beer in a nice setting. Yeah. Um, you know, that's typically the case i thought you were going to go with the other uh thing that i do which is whoa 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 when is it something gets censored no 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 <laughs> it's like when something is uh not gone right uh like i take a picture of whatever is broken and i hashtag it with blessed yes you do yes <laughs> but yeah you know i i like to uh use my social media as um a reminder of uh either things that have gone horribly wrong or so I remember what to order next when I get to the bar. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, that's fun. So what are we talking about this week, George? Well, I believe you had um, a little something that you had been planning. I remember you put up a poll a couple of weeks ago on Dust's website or on their Facebook page um, asking if we thought that God preferred right beliefs or right behavior. Yeah. Um, and I was kind of cut off by that just because that's a conversation I think you and I have we've casually had here it sure. hasn't been like the center of it um but it's one of those things where you know um 
I tend to get into the nitty gritty uh, in, in my personal life. Like, um, doesn't matter if I have the right belief as long as people are getting fed or, um, you know, I'm sure we'll get into that, but yeah. So, so what was your, what was the inception of that? Well, I'm part of it was because I've been reading this book. That's just absolutely brilliant by James diamond. Um, and it's called Jewish theology unbound. Uh, I came across an interview of him on, uh, on a podcast. It's a much smaller podcast than ours. People probably haven't heard of it called on script. I think they only have like, you know, a million downloads a week or something, but, uh, so, but his interview was so intriguing that I wanted to buy his book immediately. Um, and, uh, fortunately, uh, someone actually bought it for me and sent it to me, which was very kind of them. Wow. And, uh, but it's such a, a slog in the greatest of ways, right? Like I'm like, go ahead. like a slog is in, there's just a lot there that you're trying to get through. Like, yeah, like it's so every sentence is so thick that, you know, you need the, uh, the mental machete to hack your way through it to kind of just grasp what yeah. said. And so I'm really at the beginning pages of the book, but you know, he, he asked some questions in there. And one of the questions he talks about is this, this perspective of right behavior versus right belief. And that's such a, a big deal within Christianity right? We usually phrase it not necessarily right belief and right behavior, but we phrase it as uh, works versus faith, right? So I think yeah. the entire book of James is, is about works versus faith. And for us, when we talk about faith, we are usually speaking about right belief, which is a strange thing. I think that's kind of a jump. I don't think faith and right belief are the same thing. What do you think? Well, you said faith when we usually talk about faith, I was expecting you to say salvation. Mm -hmm. But which I usually think that the way you get salvation is with the right belief. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't, yeah, I, I, I don't disagree with you on that. Um, so it just got me curious what like people at our church, uh, at dust church. And, you know, fortunately when we do something like, a uh, poll or something like that. We often get people outside of our community that also interact with it too. So a little bit broader than just people that attend us, but I found it really interesting. Now, I haven't checked the poll in a couple of days, but uh, when I last checked it, it was split down the middle, right? About whether or not God thought, whether or not it was more important to God for us to have right belief or right behavior. And I worded it that way because I didn't want to ask the opinion of whether or not the individual thought it was more important, but whether they felt God, like what God preferred. Does God prefer right belief or does God prefer right behavior? Yeah. Sorry, I'm, I'm uh, trying to pull up the poll right now just so we can get oh, where great. it's at. Um, yeah, I mean, I think historically when humanity has taken the approach of we think we know what God thinks it's gone well well i i don't disagree with that but i think um i would say that we 
those of us who participate in faith, whether it be Christendom or something else, um, we tend to participate in the manner that we think appeases God um, or appeases this uh, entity that we worship. So I think we're still always trying to understand wh what it is that God thinks. Oh, absolutely. That. So um, it's showing 30% uh, right belief, 70% right behavior. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Wait, 30 and 30? No, 30% right belief. I'm sorry, 70% right behavior. Oh, so it, it has shifted since. Okay. So... So when you think about this, George, like let's let's skip where you are at maybe today and mm -hmm. talk about like what it was like maybe when you now did you grow up a Christian? Did you become a Christian at a later age? And that's an interesting thing. I don't know that I ever knew this moment. Um became one right as I was leaving high school. But I grew up in a, you know, a family that you know, rural priesters, Christmas and Easter. And uh, so raised with the framework yeah. of, of Christianity, but I really don't think I ever cared about it until mm, end of my senior year of high school. And so what, what would you say at that point would have been your mindset? And I, I realize that we're both old now and so <laughs> reflecting back decades on something is hard harder to do right but what would you imagine your mindset was at that point uh how would, do you think you would have answered that i don't know um because the i always struggled with the idea of and maybe this is why you know i got fired from at least one church was because i always struggled with the the duality of that it always seemed like you were in either camp because you had to understand the doctrine more so than, than the Bible. Um, and your actions were drawn out of the doctrine of that particular church. But there was something in me that always rubbed the wrong way when, um, you know, we weren't living up to our, our code of that. Like, you know, it, it bothered me that um, if somebody was hungry, that we would have a conversation about whether or not we should share the gospel with them versus mm -hmm. a sandwich because man does mm -hmm. not live on bread alone. Right. Right. Good old Deuteronomy. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I definitely got hooked in the right belief camp for a, a very, um, for, for a while. I mean, I, I probably still default into that sometimes. Okay. Um, and that's, but, but different than now I'd say I was more fundal fundamentalist initially. Okay. And not so much now when yeah. it comes to that. So what do you imagine is a critical flaw or critical flaws um, in the idea of, and I'm going to ask the same thing about right behavior as well. So sure. uh, I'm not setting you up for anything. Well, I might be, who knows? You know, it's just, so, we'll see. what's funny is before we were uh, recording, uh, Don was telling me about a conversation he was having with a mutual friend of ours, Jordan. Um, about a patron exclusive episode where you could hear me audibly sigh as I backed myself into a corner or how did he put it? I was drinking poison and I didn't realize it. Until... Yeah, he said shots fired. Well, probably not because you know, when you're shot, it was probably more like poison because you don't know right away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so go ahead and 
So what would you say are the critical flaw slash flaws, plural, of, of right belief? So if we're just critiquing the two concepts, where does, where does the idea of right belief fall apart? Um, I'm not, okay. So let's see. I would say, uh, it would be an issue for trying to, man. Okay. The first thing that comes to mind is absolutes. Okay. Because if you're, if you're claiming something as an absolute, mm-hmm. And that's something that you tend to build off of. What would we call that in Christianity? Uh, probably something super obvious I can't think of right now. A doctrine. Ah, there we go. <laughs> I've already brought it up. Um, okay. Yeah, so once you carve those out of stone and you find out there's a flaw in it. Oh, I see what you did there. Well played with the Moses callback. Thank you. Um and you see there's a flaw in it, you have to demolish the entire foundation mm. in order to fix it. And so an issue that I've seen happen, and I've probably been a part of, um, is defending the flaw and just ignoring it. Sure. To perpetuate this belief that I've wrapped so tightly around. So part of what I'm thinking about is like, if we think about it in right belief, if we make right belief and we, I think we can do the same thing with uh, right behavior too. And so maybe this is a flaw just in using the word right Um, is if it's a combination lock, like you're opening a safe and there are right numbers. The flaw is that if you're even off a single number, you don't open the safe. You, you've lost access to this thing. So the word right, I think, becomes this really pivotal piece in this discussion, right? So if you're talking about right belief, what do we do with the fact that there's thousands of denominations? At what point does right belief stop? Like, is there beliefs that are necessary, which is usually what people put as their doctrinal list, like yeah. their five or six doctrinal must. creeds. Yeah, their creeds, their doctrinal musts on their, on their Facebook page or their website or what have you. Um, and then the rest is negotiable. Um, and where do we become so uh, convinced that that was the only ones that are yeah. non-negotiable? And does that leave us in a place of concern that uh, if I don't believe in transubstantiation uh, <laughs> of my communion, uh, then that's that's a non-bendable uh, belief. Yeah, it's a, yeah. Um, or non-negotiable belief. And where what do we do with that? Um, so I think that's one of the fundamental, because a lot of times people say, you know, because people get really concerned about my theology and people will say, uh, you know, do you believe you have to, do you think you have to believe in Jesus to go to heaven? And George, I think by now, you know, my response to this. A resolute yes. No. <laughs> uh, my response to this is, what do you mean? 
Are you talking about right-wing Jesus? Are you talking about left-wing Jesus? Are you talking about pacifist Jesus? Are you talking about go get those terrorists Jesus? Are you talking about Jewish Jesus or blonde-haired, blue-eyed American Jesus? Like, which Jesus are you talking about? Because we've done a spectacular job of creating Jesus in our own image or removing Jesus from his Jewishness and his actual culture first century Roman occupation to mold Jesus into what we want, or we're selective in our reading of Jesus's words, or we reject the Torah. And so we then don't understand uh, the, uh, the gospels in their actual context of Torah. So there's all kinds of problems with just the, the simple question of, do you think we must believe in Jesus to be saved? Because the problem is, that depending on what church you go to, you believe in a different Jesus than someone else. All we have to do is just look at our political climate right now to see that, right? Some people would hold Trump up as a, a great example of, of Christ-likeness, which is Jesus-likeness. And other people would point to him and say, he is the antithesis of Jesus-likeness, right? And so which one holds the right belief about who Jesus is and what Jesus represents and how reflecting Jesus looks. So, so to me, that's one of the, the major catches for me with, with right belief. Is yeah. It, 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 it draws the line in the sand on the true Scotsman Christian. It does. It absolutely does. Which is a conversation that, you know, no matter what side you're on, you will probably walk away thinking that you were the one that was right and won the argument. Oh, of course. And, and this is kind of the dangers that we've turned uh, every conversation where there's uh, different views or different lenses into a competition of rightness. Right. And so this plays in perfectly to what we're talking about today. So right belief implies that if you have right belief, and someone disagrees with you mm-hmm. that they have wrong belief. Yeah, because we collectively cannot do a, a, a great job holding intention that um, just because you and I might disagree on something, that mm-hmm. that's a bad thing and we can't be friends. Correct. Yeah. So can you think of any other flaws in the idea of right belief? Um, I mean, that's, I mean I, that's the biggest one that jumps to my mind. Yeah. I, yeah, let's just, no, not, not at the moment. I'm, I'm, I'm sure I can, but just. Okay. So other than that one, can you think of any flaws within right behavior? Yes. Oh, interesting. Let me hear it. So it, it, it's, uh, at least it, in what I've experienced, it's, um, similar to the right belief you get the true Scotsman on who's actually correct. Uh, you can build walls around uh, your fragile world on right behavior. For example, um, let's say, you know, you want to uh, be more ethically um, conscious of your purchases. So okay. you start buying Tom's and you go to the farmer's market and uh you, 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 and then, you know, sometimes people can set themselves up on a bit of a ethical high horse and 
when uh, you point out that their Macs that they love and their iPhones and other technologies that they continue to buy and talk about them being the greatest are still built by children. I'm sorry, I muted you during that section. What? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, I, but um, there's, it's a, it, not to draw a one-to-one comparison, but there are a lot of the same pitfalls in bright behavior as well. Yeah, I, I, I certainly agree. And I think that to your point about like consumerism, yeah, uh, we're only as ethical as we are uh, in love with the product. I completely agree. Yeah. Right. Like I know very few people who absolutely love uh, combustion engine muscle cars that decided to go out and buy. And believe me, there's problems with electric cars as well, but went out and bought a a much more economic, uh, environmentally friendly car. Exactly. uh, I just think it would have had the same opportunity to buy the muscle car. Sure. And I, I think it's easier to point out, depending on what you're talking about, um, the flaws of right behavior versus right hmm. belief. Hmm. Interesting. So I why say, you, I, at least I, I, I find that to be easier. Sure. So what, what makes you think that it's, it's easier? Like what is, why do you perceive that? Uh, because it's easier to hide your true beliefs than it is your actual behaviors. I, I was wondering if that's what, what you're going to get at, right? Because I can see people's behaviors, but I can't see their beliefs necessarily unless they come out as behavior. Yeah. Right. So this actually brings me to a really important part in the text, right? Where Jesus says, you'll know a false teacher, Right. And you know the false teacher by their fruits, which is the way they live. Yeah. Right. So you don't know a false teacher because of their doctrinal statements. You don't know a false teacher by their uh, rhetoric. Mm-hmm. You know a false teacher by the way they live their life, um, which is so fascinating to me because this seems to point to that it's less important to identify someone who is a false teacher by looking at their beliefs. Now, I realize it's stated beliefs versus maybe internal beliefs, right? Mm -hmm. But it's less easy um, to identify that through stated beliefs than it is through the actual way they live. Yeah, I mean, we can excuse um, incorrect or perceived incorrect behavior because of somebody's uh, external um, beliefs. We see it happen all the time. (laughs) I mean, turn on the news. It's, yeah. So, so George, today, so 70% of the poll said that they believed it was correct, that God preferred correct behavior over correct belief. Yes, as the poll stands today. Yes. Um, And I don't think thousands of people have responded, so it's not like it would take much to swing it the other direction. Yeah. Probably just a few votes would would flip it back. Yeah, maybe. So what do you think when God looks down upon the world, right? Let's just anthropomorphize God, give God eyeballs and sitting up on a cloud Mm -hmm. looking down upon the earth and 
what do you imagine God would want to see in the world? Um, do you think that it falls into right belief? Um, and if so, what is the impact of right belief and right behavior? Uh, so my initial reaction is I don't want to say, um, it's either or, but both and. Okay. But we can, we can get to that later. I'll just respond to your, your direct question, which is I, I mean, I voted in the poll. I personally said behavior. Okay. Um, And why, why for you is that the case? Well, this week, because fair. Uh, you know, um, the uh, actions are an overflow of the heart. So, like, if I'm uh, let me think, um, I mean, it's just, uh, it, it, it seems to me that it would be more in line with the text that behavior would be more important. Okay. Love your neighbor as yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just the, the concept of, of Jubilee, you know, all of these are action oriented things. Uh, and, you know, during a crazy time like now, um, the idea of, acting correctly you know it it doesn't matter what my belief is if i'm not following it up with an appropriate action i don't know if that's making any sense sure i'm i'm following you okay yeah do you think now i think that there's a lot of philosophy folks philosophical folks listening that would begin to pick apart these such uh we're making them easily discernible from one another. Sure. Um, And they'd want to pick that apart and be like, well, the way you behave reflects what you believe. Um, Well, that, yeah, that's why I said what comes first, the chicken, the egg type thing. Right. But I think that there is some room to kind of push back on that a little bit in that I think behavior can reflect. It's kind of like a pun or we have words in the English language, and I'm sure they are in other languages as well, but the English language is proliferated with them. And those are words that can be used multiple ways, right? To mean different things. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's because I think about someone who uh, they need a tax write-off. <laughs> so they make a charitable donation. They're making the charitable donation out of a belief that giving this money will help them with their taxes. It's not about they care about humans. Sure. Don't get me wrong. There's people that do both. I'm We're not speaking sure. in broad strokes. This is a hypothetical. This is one individual that does not truly exist, but I'm sure people reflect this in that this person solely gave a donation to a charitable organization in order to get a tax write-off for it to be bumped into a different tax bracket that allows them more, more value on their income. Right. 
So in doing so, they did, they did a behavior that reflected their belief of being efficient and a good steward of their money. But the charity that it benefited will then someone else looking at that could look at that and say, well, that helped tons of people. And that had nothing to do with the person's belief. It's just that their belief happened to lead to a behavior that could be viewed in multiple ways. Does that make sense? Uh, I think so. So this is why I think in the book of Romans, uh, Paul, yeah, that's right. I'm quoting Romans. <laughs> Romans here. Well, you didn't see where my eyes going very oh. large. Oh. Sorry. Were you, were you looking at porn again while we're having this conversation, George? Nope. That was me telling the readers what was going or the listeners what was going on. Fair enough. So, uh, so the book of Romans uh, is, is talking about this idea that um, even those who are not under the law abide by the law. Right, It didn't have anything to do with their belief of Torah, but their behavior happened to match the behavioral expectations of the law or Torah. Um, and so the story is that there are those who aren't even under the law who are following the law and that that is good. Uh, Paul talks about this idea that when any of us stands before God someday, we won't be able to deny his existence or God's existence because we have seen nature and nature declares the existence of God, right? And so there's all of these elements in the text that seem to imply that we can do something. Can you think of another example where Paul, right, a Pauline example where Somebody does something with the wrong intentions and Paul declares it to be okay. No, I can't. Paul's in prison. Does this help? No, I don't really. Yeah, no. So Paul's in prison and some people come to him. Some of his followers come to him and say, while you're in prison, there are people out there teaching Jesus for their own fame. Do you remember this? Vaguely. Famous, right? To, yeah. to their own glory. They're teaching Jesus to their own glory. And do you remember what Paul's response is? Let him teach. Yeah, because they're teaching Jesus. Yep. And it's such a fascinating moment, right? That what got them to do that thing, a tax write-off, doesn't matter. All that matters is that they did the thing. Right? Um And so do you think that God says to the person who maybe let's, let's, let's use this hypothetical person again. And let's say that not only do they, are they doing this for uh, their tax write-offs, but they also are the most generous uh, charity giver in the history of the world. They've given more to charity than any other person in history, but they've always done it for a tax write-off. That person has, through their giving, impacted the well-being and taking care of millions and millions of people throughout their life. They stand before God someday. Is God going to uh, say, 
Well, none of that can be counted for you because you had the wrong motivation. Or will God say to that person, thank you, even if it was unintentional, for caring for millions and millions of people on this planet? And to me, that's where I land and I be, it becomes very squishy ground, right? Like that I'm not sure how comfortable I am. Yeah. I mean, I think that this is why people or in, um, in mainstream Christianity, deconstruction has been such a, a huge point over the last few years because you ask an uncomfortable question like that and your gut, at least my gut would say, God goes with the thank you for unintentionally caring for all of these people. Yeah. Although the theology of my life up to that point may have not have reflected that. And mm. so now I'm seeing God as more compassionate than I thought God could be because I was not as compassionate as I would hope God is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, have you ever done something in your life where it unintentionally benefited someone you found out later on and it wasn't your intention to do that. But when the person came to you and said, because you did this, can, can you think of an example of that? No, I cannot. But I believe we all have them. You know, it's a hard thing to come up with off the cuff because it feels so specific, right? But I think we all have those moments where someone comes and says, you know, because you didn't do this, I did this. Like, I can even think about, like, oh, you thought of one? Well, no, I mean, you said that. And the only time I could, the only thing that came up was a time when I would have been playing a board game against you and I made a wrong move that benefited you for the win. Oh, yeah. King making. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, but, but I can think of times where like, um, I can think of an example for myself where somebody was supposed to teach. I hadn't taught very often at that point. Uh, I hadn't done much public teaching, biblical teaching, and there was a no show. And because of that, I was asked, Don, can you step in? And I stepped in. I did well, people responded well to the teaching and it gave me a level of confidence in my teaching that I don't, you know, I don't know how it would have gone differently had I not done that. Right. Um, and I think that's, that's interesting. I think that is, is powerful uh, because I go, I look back at that and I go, that gave me a level of confidence early on in my teaching that I took more risks than I would have. If I could get up and impromptu teach and teach well, then when I have preparation and everything, I became way more confident and took more risks in teaching opportunities than I probably would have uh, at that stage of my, my teaching. So I think these types of things happen all the time, but most of them are such in such hindsight, right? Like the person that no-showed would probably not think that their no-show was a good thing. Yeah. But it was. It's kind of like the fact that nobody would fight Goliath until David showed up <laughs> was a good thing. Right? Yeah. Um, so... So yeah, so for me, this whole question of like right belief, right behavior is so fascinating because we become so consumed by it. So let's, let's talk about your both and. Okay. Okay. So what do you imagine? How does both and work in this discussion? Um, so I would say that 
there are ultimately things that I I would say that I believe. Okay. So for me, I, I, I can be very action oriented, but also I spend a lot of time thinking about, you know, more, more, more introspection. Um, and my hope is always that the things that I spend time thinking about will flow out of my heart and in, in, into actually happening. Hmm. Um, and because I need direction on how to act, I typically rely on what it is that I believe to do so. Yeah. So when, when I do discipleship with people, one of the things that we talk about early on is aligning your believing your behave. Yes. Right. Because oftentimes people have a, a healthier belief about how they should engage the world than they actually behave. And so a lot of times it's about pulling the behave up to the belief level, right? Like I believe we should take care of the poor. I behave. I'm suspicious of anyone who's asking for money or anyone who's in poverty. And so I tend to not give as much as I could. Yeah. Right. And so their belief and their behave are two very different things. Right. Um, And so when we we think of it in those terms do we is the goal the belief or is the goal to behave the goal is the belief why is that because if i am well if i understood your question correctly then i would say that my goal is that hold on maybe i didn't understand the question I was going to say the goal would be the belief because I would hope that my belief guides my behave. Mm-hmm. But you could also um, say that the goal is the behave because I would hope my behave is drawn out of my belief. Yeah. So we go back to a both and. Like, yeah. I think you could probably look at your life and see that there are things that your behavior has actually elevated your belief. Yeah. Right. Um, or yeah, your behavior. Like I think about the food distributions and stuff that I've been a part of and stuff where people show up more so because they have to get community service in, whether for school or for other reasons, or, uh, they just want to go hang out with a friend that's doing it. And so they show up without the belief, right? They're just going because I'll get a pat on the back. Um, and they finally get that opportunity to engage with people and hear stories of people. And that changes their belief, but their behavior came first. And so their behavior of taking care of the poor was actually the higher than their belief about taking care of the poor. And that interaction caused the be- belief to go up. Right. And then there's other times where I believe this to be true, but I'm, lazy i'm too busy i'm uh it would be i'd have to sacrifice too much um kind of like what you were saying about the max right yeah um or just anything it has uh you know rare metals in it right so we would but the sacrifice is asking too much of me it's why 
we would rather legislate pollution thing uh, in companies so we can continue to buy their product and we just make sure that it's it's illegal for them to produce a product that does too much pollution than to stop purchasing their products and force them to change because they're going out of business otherwise. Um, because that's way easier than having to sacrifice our conveniences, right? Oh, yeah. So this believe behave is, is becomes this both and because we desire some things trigger us to be believe more. Some things trigger us to behave more. Um, but it's still, I wonder then George, what is it that God desires? I mean, that's the question, isn't it? That's always been the question. Right. But we often answer the question by what do we think is better? Yeah. So what do you think God thinks is better? Oh, man, if I knew, I'd probably spend more time acting. Why is that? Uh, because then I, you know, <laughs> I would hope that uh, my behavior, if I, if I knew what exactly it was that I believe God desired of me, then I'd hope I would just be too busy being consumed by that. Mm. So one of the things you said earlier is, it's easier to see someone's behave than it is to see someone's belief. Right. I, I realize that's a paraphrase, but sure. Um, we can agree that you said that I agreed with that. We interacted about that. Right. Yeah. So what does that say about behavior that doesn't exist with belief? Could you re rephrase the question? I'm not sure. I With that view, Right with with what we agreed on, it's easier to see someone's behavior than their belief. Uh -huh. um, now I forget the question, George. Um, <laughs> uh, what would we then say is? Oh man. Well, okay. Let me. So this is a. I, I think I understand where you're coming from. You you brought up somebody's. What does uh, their behavior say about hiding their belief? So like. There are, I, I tend to be more liberal in my politics and theology than some I think of our my, listeners have picked up on that. Yeah, you know, um, <laughs> than some of my more conservative friends. Um, and the crazy thing is, not a crazy thing, but like, you know, I know a lot of people, or at least a couple of people come to mind that uh, participate in um food banks and volunteer with uh the unhoused that tend to be more conservative that have um more interesting uh ideas around policies and politics when it deals with some people who are are unhoused um but you wouldn't know it because they're there acting in a way that's benefiting everyone. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's like uh, my, I've, I have family members that do not understand um, why the correct pronoun is important for someone, but it doesn't change how they treat them. Mm. Often more open arm and welcoming than others um, can be. Mm -hmm. But, the 
you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm struggling to, to get the right words around this, but the idea of, yeah, well, that's just it though, is when, when we're forced to deal with binaries, things tend to go out the window because we realize that you can't just do either or it always, it almost always ends up being a both and. Mm -hmm. But I think that there's something unique when we take it away from us. Yeah. And we, we place it in God's purview. Okay. And, and I, so to cut to the chase, how about I just, I just say, (laughs) instead of trying to, to squeeze it out of you. No, it's okay. It's, squeeze a little more. Let's see if there's any left okay. in the tube. All right. So I would say that, um, how would you, if you had to describe me and you had to describe my beliefs. Okay. But you couldn't use conversations that we've had specifically about my beliefs. Mm-hmm. What would you say I believed? So you can't use any verbal conversations that we've had. What would you say I am? Who would you say I am and what I believe? I would say that you believe in the best of people, even when they don't see it themselves. Why do you say that? Because of the actions I've seen you take and the conversations I've seen you have with other people. Okay. So now let's imagine that you and I have never met. Mm-hmm. You have only spoken to me via Evangel Bros. Okay. And you had the same rules. You couldn't speak about any of my beliefs based on our conversations, just on what you've observed about me. What would you know about me? That you care about what you perceive as being right. And how would you have gotten to that conclusion? Because of the conversations I've had with you. <laughs> but you're not allowed to use the conversations. Yeah. No, you said I'm not allowed to say. Wait. So in both of these examples, you're uh-huh. not allowed to use any of the conversations. Okay. One of them is you and I's actual relationship where you know me. Yes. Nope. Yep. Yep. And the I'm... other one is you don't actually know me. Okay. Yeah. Then Never met me. And I'm not allowed to use any of the conversations that we've had Correct. for this. I don't know shit about you then. Correct. And so who would you say was impacted in the first one that was not available for your understanding in the second one? Uh, oh, your actions? Yeah. So yeah. who was that? Who impacted? Who was impacted? The other people? Yeah, others. Yeah. But... Right belief uh, doesn't necessarily impact others. Right behavior always impacts others. So when God is looking down from God's proverbial perch on a cloud, uh, is God more interested in right behavior or right belief? I would say... God is more interested in right behavior because right behavior impacts our neighbor. It's not enough to just believe to love your neighbor. That doesn't change anything between you and your neighbor if you believe that. Yeah. But if you behave that, 
that now changes your neighbor's experience in the world. Yeah. I mean, and even if you don't believe that, um, loving your neighbor is the best thing to do, the action that you still take with it. I mean, it's why, you know, I can, I have an easier time on, uh, days where I am not sure God exists and this thing is actually worth chasing after with my entire life, um, to continue through those actions. Yep. I I just think that when, when we think about, there are people that I have met throughout my life in ministry that I would call them people of simple faith, right? They could not have a theological conversation uh, like an intellectual scholarly theological conversation about scripture, the text culture, the things we tend to talk about. Yeah. Couldn't do that to save their life, but they serve and care for and love and extend and provide and do all of these things for the community around them. Yeah. And I think that that is way more impactful on the well-being of the world and therefore more important to God. Speaking for God here, you know how dangerous that is. Yeah. Um, Then the person that can sit here, go toe to toe on theological discussions and debates and not have the same impact in the community. Now you could debate whether or not the theological teachings, right? When I walked away from the nonprofit that I'd started with food in, around food insecurity, I made the decision that I could impact more people by teaching justice and teaching uh, mercy, compassion, inclusion than I could just through doing the food distribution when someone just as capable or better than me could step in and run the organization. So I believe teaching does absolutely impact the world positively, but again, that's an action. Um, so I just, when I think about this, I go, Jesus says in the text a couple times, you will be judged by what you have done. Right. Can you think of a prime example of that exact thing being used as an example in scripture? You're asking me, can I think of a thing that Jesus, so, I, so you, I felt Where, like you just asked me two questions in one. I probably did, George. I wanted to set you up for failure. So um, there is a passage in the text, and there's, maybe, there's probably more, but I'm thinking of one. So there's only one right answer, George. Um, sure. Where Jesus determines who is righteous and who is not righteous. Oh, the sheep and the goats come to and, mind. And so where in that passage, Matthew 25, do we see Jesus ask the people about their belief? Uh, to my knowledge, he does not. So for all we know, the person feeding the person who was hungry was what? Gentile, pagan, Jewish, Christian? We don't know. We have yeah. no indication. We have no understanding of who the person was that fed the other person. Yet that person gets placed on the right-hand side of God. Mm -hmm. 
we don't know what they believe about anything. We don't know what they believe about who Jesus is, whether they believe Jesus to be Messiah or not Messiah. We don't know what the criminal next to Jesus on the cross believes about God, right? Um, we don't know any of that. And yet there seems to be all these things around behavior that says it's, it's in the way that we live that we determine whether or not we have right standing before God. Because you can teach all the right beliefs, the false teacher, and live counter to them, and you're a false teacher. You cannot be under Torah and live according to Torah and honor God. You can teach Jesus for your own gain. And Paul says it's okay because teach it, Jesus is being taught. Right? Yeah. So, so what do you think about this premise? Right? I still think there's a lot of both and in it. Oh, when it I, comes to you and I, but when I think about what it is that God prefers, I would, I would argue from my limited study and understanding of the text that God would prefer the world would be a bunch of practitioners instead of a lot of philosophers. I mean, yeah, I, you, sure. Yeah. Because what does it say? It says, if you believe everything I taught you in Torah, there will be no hungry amongst you. Nope, it doesn't say that. What does it say? So you're, I'm, I, I have no idea at the moment because I'm, I'm still thinking about what you had just thrown out there. So Okay, so let's go back to that then. I want to hear what you... Well, no, I'm, I, I'm just processing through some of this. And you know, you brought up there would be more practitioners than philosophers. And then I thought about you saying you're teaching people justice is an action mm -hmm. um and and so i going down the rabbit hole of can you count that as philosophy teaching philosophy speaking about what it is to believe being an action in order to teach others mm -hmm. yeah so. and that's why i said it's still a both and it's messy yeah no i i, I a, yes a I venn diagram right yeah. that overlaps in some places yeah yeah i mean yeah. Well, I, sorry. What was your other question? I, I had deliberately misquoted Deuteronomy where I said, if you believe everything I taught you in Torah, there will be no poor amongst you. And it doesn't say that. It says, if you do everything I've commanded you in Torah, there will be no poor amongst you. Ah. Right. Um, so to me, this doing part is what alleviates suffering. The doing part is what alleviates oppression. The doing part is what alleviates poverty and loneliness and injustice and all of these things and leads to compassion and mercy and grace and everything. Um, this isn't about what comes first, the chicken or the egg. And I don't think God is as concerned about that. What comes first, what leads to the right behavior. But I think, <laughs> excuse me. I do believe God is once a world that lives out the commands of God, not just believes them. I cannot disagree with that. 
And our job as teachers, our job as believers is, I would argue, we become that charging point. We become that fulcrum or whatever we, however we want to phrase it, that helps move someone from right belief into right behavior. And sometimes from right behavior into right belief, right? Uh, because sometimes we do right behavior, but if we don't have, if that doesn't move us into right belief, it's a one and done thing. You know, you do it once and that was good. But as you add belief around it, then it becomes compelling for you to do it more and more. And so I believe that you and I's role and those, the role of the faithful is to become that fulcrum that is always helping people move their right belief into right behavior and their right behavior into right belief. Um, and that's really a beautiful picture for us. But most churches I've been a part of, they tend to only do one or the other, right? They tend to either pound the pulpit about, you must believe these things exactly in this way, or you will go to hell. Or it becomes a, and I hate this phrase, but I think people will understand what I'm saying, a social justice gospel, which is, it's all about only doing the right thing um, and use guilt and shame to get people that, to do it as opposed to right belief. Um, and I think that there's this, that, that then piece, that overlap piece is where the world gets healthy. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I don't disagree. I mean, I, yeah, I, I, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's a little bit of a trap to compare orthodoxy with orthopraxy um, from a personal, from a human perspective, though it's important for us to think about what is it that God intended when God said, leave the corners of your field, did God intend for us to read that and go, I believe that to be good? Or did God intend for us to read that and to leave the corners of our field? Um. And it's got more concerned about which one. And I think that that's really significant um, and, and important. But once we understand why we believe we should do that, we're more likely to be more generous with the corners of our field. We're more likely to do the corners of our field more often. We're more likely to broaden the corners of our field into other parts of our life that we didn't even recognize as a field to begin with. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I... Yeah, I, I think we can continue to come up with examples of this. I think that, you know, one of the biggest struggles that <clears throat> we can have is aligning our belief and our behave, like you said, somewhere along this conversation. Like, it, once we do that, um, the world does tend to change for the better. Yeah. At least in my experience, my limited experience with my limited um study of the text and, and actions based in it, whether I believed it or not. Yeah. I mean, we can just look at our own little circle of influence and see when, it, how it improves when we live out these things, Yeah, whether it be in our marriage or be in our neighborhood, whatever it might be. Yeah. I, I you know, I would be interested um, listeners, what, uh, what your thoughts are on this and, and your, influence of of how uh behave has worked out for the positive 
Yeah, let me say one thing because I think we're going to get some yeah buts and a quote of Paul potentially. Um, the yeah but of Paul is the uh, uh, that you uh, are not saved by works but by faith. And I, I want to be clear here that Paul's talking to Gentiles who imagined that they had to do things in order to appease God, their God or gods, in order for their gods to bless them. And Paul's argument is Yahweh is different. You do not need to appease Yahweh in order to be a part of Yahweh's family. Um, And that's really important for us to recognize that when Paul is talking about this, he's not talking about you don't need to follow the commands and do those that you just have to believe the right things. And that's what we've turned it into. Instead, Paul's saying you can follow all the commands of God and, but you have to recognize that you shouldn't do those to appease God. You should do those because you already have faith that God is good and God is caring. God is compassionate. And God wants the best of the world. And so it's more important that it's the faith that saves you, not the appeasing God that saves you. So, yeah. no, that's good. I'm glad you threw that in there. I'm, uh, <laughs> I, yeah, I think that there are going to be a lot of yeah, buts with this one. Um, but here's the and that's why thing. James and Paul aren't disagreeing. Yeah. Right? The book of James and Paul are not disagreeing here. Well, no, I mean, I think, I think any conversation, um, around something that, that you believe that leads you, leads you to feel a little uncomfortable, um, can be a healthy thing because it forces you to look at what it is that you believe. And I'm strictly talking about the conversation that we're having today about, oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, um, I think that this is a good place to wrap up. Um, make yeah, sure we'd you... love to hear your thoughts. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we're on Facebook, uh, Twitter, and Instagram at Evangel Bros. You can shoot us an email if you want, uh, talking about some of this, things you like, things you disagree with, um, and we'll discuss them in the next episode. I would love to hear some disagreement on this, honestly, just because that seems like a great place to enter in and, and engage. Absolutely. And um, you can also check us out on Patreon. Absolutely. Uh, at, that is also at Evangel Bros. So all that being said, I have been your co-host, George. I've been your other co-host, Don. Have a great week, everyone. Bye.